And now the Jack Riccardi Show with Jack Riccardi. Well, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, you know, my name's going to be on it. Be a little weird. I'd like to be involved. Here. Yeah. I would like to, yeah, but I'd like to be included. I'm concerned about this crime story you have today, Dennis. The, uh, the sex boutique in Southtown that was broken into three different times uh, overnight, apparently. Yeah. And so so badly were they hit that they their inventory was just about cleaned out. This is the Sexology Institute on South St. Mary's. Um, I'm shocked by this. And I'm concerned. I think we all need to be. Um, they say that uh, three uh, hoodlums, believed to be men, but... <laughs> Which is shocking, right? I mean, who who saw that coming? Uh, broke in and um, basically, you know, took everything. They say one of the items they took was a Swarovski crystal vibrator. So I just want to say be on the lookout this weekend. If you see that, you know what to do. Shocking story. So um, you probably have heard of the J.D. Power rankings for different things. And you see it a lot in advertising, J.D. Power rank, J.D. Power rating. Uh, J.D. Power does all these different ratings for cars, and one of them is initial quality survey. And usually the way it gets reported is, you know, which car company has the best cars or the ones that people are most happy with. But I thought this was interesting. I was reading one of the many car blogs that I like to read, and they were talking about the new J.D. Power ratings for initial quality for 2022 new cars, and they said, in general, vehicles are becoming less reliable. So the story wasn't who's up and who's down, but that across the board, new cars are less reliable and more expensive to maintain. And they said, among the many problems, the ongoing supply chain issues, the transition to novel electric powertrains, um, and the fact that whether your new car is electric or gas-powered, they're just more and more technologically complicated. So um, what's what's happening is, there's more tech built into your car, and those things are the things that are dragging them down uh, quality-wise. Um, modern tech going into cars causing a lot of the problems, specifically infotainment system, uh, you know, the, the touch screens, and the fact that there aren't buttons and knobs anymore, which were pretty simple, right? Pretty hard to break those or, or install those wrong. So um, if you've got a new car, or if you've recently bought a new car, um, do you think new cars are getting crappier? Uh, are they getting worse? Are cars today worse than they used to be? And when did they start going downhill? Because in one sense, I've heard, I've also heard people say, from a mechanical standpoint, cars have never been better. Like the 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 worst cars today are better than the worst cars used to be. You can't really, but there's really no bad brand. There's really no bad make. You really can't go wrong at any price point. Cars are pretty reliable. That's what I've heard. But then the J.D. Power's initial quality survey says, nope, they're getting worse. You could make a living, I am convinced, just defending Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. What is it with people and their fixation on tearing down Clarence Thomas? Now, yesterday... Katanji Brown-Jackson was sworn in as an Associate Justice of the United States Supreme Court. You can't count how many news organizations, including major ones like Politico.com and Good Morning America, reported that Katanji Brown-Jackson was the first black Supreme Court justice in history. Here's a screenshot from Good Morning America, their Twitter account. Katanji Brown-Jackson sworn in, first black Supreme Court justice in U.S. history. First of all, Clarence Thomas is on the Supreme Court right now. And before Clarence Thomas, the actual first African-American justice was Thurgood Marshall. He was appointed in 1967. So you're off by 55 years. 
first. But you know what it is? I, I mean, and these mistakes were up for hours. You know what it is? They want it to be true so badly that they just run with it. Or maybe they were going to say, first African-American woman, but they're not biologists and they don't know what a woman is. And then there's a story going around that Justice Thomas uh, wrote in one of his opinions that COVID vaccines were made with aborted children. NBC News reported that, Politico reported that also, that he, he believes the COVID vaccine was made with aborted children. Um, what actually happened was he was writing in his opinion and he cited some of the reasons people have objected to getting vaccinated. He wrote, quote, they object on religious grounds to available COVID-19 vaccines because they were developed using cell lines derived from aborted children. He's quoting the, the plaintiffs who brought the suit. He's not saying that's what happened. So he was directly citing the argument that was made to the court. He was not making his own claim. You know, we could do a lot better reporting on the Supreme Court if we read the opinions. How about that? Just try that out. Just I'm going to drop that in the suggestion box. So there's a guy over on CNN named Rex Chapman, and he played in the NBA, uh, and he played for Kentucky, college basketball star. And he was going to have a show on CNN Plus, but CNN Plus didn't work out. So he was on CNN yesterday, and he was uh, calling Clarence Thomas a black-white supremacist. I'm going to give you just a second to work that one through. <laughs> Diagram that. A black-white supremacist as a result of the Dobbs ruling. And he was talking about how Clarence Thomas is not authentically black. I mean, Rex Chapman is not black. But... Anyway, um... He doesn't believe that Clarence Thomas is authentically black. And one of his pieces of evidence for that is that Rex Chapman says, I've never seen him attend an NBA game. So if you're a black person, the way you prove that you are authentically black is you go to an NBA game. I'm not making this up. The guy said it on CNN. Why is it that the people who claim to be anti-racist can turn on a dime and become the most vile racists? Or are they just the most vile racists all the time and the anti-racist thing is an act? I'll leave that to you. I thought this was interesting. Um, there's a group working on the uh, Texas state uh, curriculum, you know, working on how we teach kids and what we teach kids. And they're suggesting that instead of referring to uh, slavery as slavery, it should be relabeled involuntary relocation. They want to come up with a new term for slavery. And they want to find a more precise term for slavery. I think slavery is a pretty precise term. It's a pretty, it's a pretty strong word, right? I mean, slavery kind of says it all. Involuntary relocation, to me, sounds like you're at the airport and they changed your gate number. <laughs> or they're moving your cubicle, you know. It's not the same. Involuntary relocation. I saw a kind of disappointing number, and, I, you know, polls, polls can say anything and mean anything, and we don't usually get too bent out of shape about them. But there was a survey that said, I don't know who did it, that said that... Um, for the first time, a majority of Americans are not proud of the country right now. They're not proud of, of America right now. They're proud to be Americans right now. That Traditionally, when this question would be asked going into a 4th of July weekend, a majority of people would say yes. There were always some people who said no. But only 39% in this survey said that they're proud. Now, there's a difference between being disappointed in the way things are going and not being proud of this country. It's sort of like you can have a bad day at your at home. You, your family can have a bad day. Everybody's mad at each other, or the kids are acting up, or your husband, you know, isn't talking to you or whatever. But that doesn't mean you don't love your family. Shouldn't we love our country no matter what 
is happening to it and happening with it. And it isn't our love of country based on everything we know about it. That's how you love people, right? When you love someone, you love them because of everything that you know about them and think about them and regard the regard you have for them. You don't, you don't change that based on the last five minutes you've had with that person. Otherwise, it wasn't really love to begin with. I'm not sure what to make of this, but um, I'm, I, I mean, I, I think the country is in bad shape. I think it's, it's being led fecklessly. Um, I, I'm worried about the, the misconceptions and misunderstandings that we're having about a lot of things, but I'm proud of this country because I'm proud of, of what it came from and what it means. I don't, understand, I don't understand why there aren't more people that feel that way. Do you feel that way? My, my pride doesn't rise and fall based on the last election or what's going on with the economy. Or, it doesn't work that way. It's love. It's, you know, it's, it, love is immune to those things. And we're going to celebrate Independence Day on Monday. And that got me to thinking about how we got to Independence Day. So I want to talk a little bit about that and about really who was the first American. Because that title could be applied to a lot of people. But there's one, there's one man that I think deserves it most of all. We're going to talk about him. We're going to get to your calls about all of this, 210-599-5555. We also have a new JR poll question. We'll get working on that. And later on, we'll kick off the weekend with The Dish here on a Friday on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Celebrating 100 years of service. 55 KTSA. KTSA News Time is 436. We'll have the dish coming up after 6. We'll talk restaurants heading into Independence Day weekend. Seemed like a lot of people were already off today. We used to Remember when we used to call these three-day weekends? I don't know. Some people seem to have a four-day. Not that I'm bitter or anything. I'm happy to be here. Um, look, uh, is it true that fewer and fewer people are proud of the country? Are they conflating disappointment with current conditions with kind of the long-term love of country that w- I would think would be um, – would transcend, like, who's in office or how the last election went or what the economic indicators are. I mean, if you love someone, you love them through disputes and disappointment, right? That's how I think of it, but you may think of it differently. 210-599-5555. Um, by the way, they're now blaming... <laughs> Jerome Powell, the Federal Reserve Chairman, is now blaming, um, this is this is in regards to inflation. Remember when it was Putin? Now it's unvaccinated Americans. He did this whole long explanation about all the things that went wrong and why the Fed was wrong about inflation. And he thought that Um, when the vaccines came out, everyone would get them immediately, and that meant people would return to the labor force immediately. And now the fact that we have supply chain issues, we have jobs that no one will take, um, and so forth, is due to Americans not getting sufficiently vaccinated. Where is the part about crashing the energy economy... Uh, where's the part about destabilizing as many things as you could? The border, energy, uh, printing a bunch of money and therefore deflating all of the money we already have, either as income or savings. Shouldn't the Fed chairman be like more focused on that? But no, it's the unvaccinated. And I thought we were told that the reason people aren't working is because of the Great Resignation. I mean, there's, there's no doubt that there were people that couldn't go to work because they wouldn't get the, the vaccine. That was a, a very short-sighted um, trade-off that policymakers made. We're not going to let you work if you won't get the jab. Oh, wait a minute. It turns out we need you. In industry after industry, that is true. But that's not the whole story. Well, it is according to Jerome Powell. Never let it be said that this administration doesn't have 
an endless supply of new excuses. Eventually, they'll probably work their way back to Putin. He's in the rotation. Uh, 210-599-5555. All right, so Independence Day weekend, 39% of Americans say they're proud of their country. 56% say they're not proud of the United States of America. Robert is on KTSA. Hello, Robert. Hello, Jack. No, I just wanted to say, um, oh, by the way, great show. Uh, no, I think uh, America, they're confused. Well, the, uh, I think uh, the people that said that, they're not proud, they're not proud of the current tra- uh, trajectory of the, of the yeah. country. Yeah. The high gas prices, the economy, I mean, everything's real high. Of course, they're going to be depressed, but that's not that's no reflection on America, you know, uh, Especially what how we got here. The, what you were bringing up was the was the past, the Boston Tea Party and everything. Now uh, I think they, they're just the, this current administration is not. Uh, it's all everything's haywire. Everything's not in check. Everything is um, actually how we're, we're paying the the government the government to run this, these the people that are running the country. Actually, how we give them a paycheck because they're doing a lousy job. That's mm-hmm. what I'm gonna say. I mean. Mm-hmm. People are fed up with um, with the economy, the way it's going. I don't think they're fed up with America, but that's with the administration, the current administration. Mm-hmm. The past administration, we didn't have this problem. Yeah, I think that's a good way to say I think trajectory is a really good word to use. And, and, and I, I think I agree with you, Robert, that um, people are either confusing the country with the politicians. You can be You can be down on the politicians without being down on the country. Or maybe to go back to what we were talking about with the other gentleman before the break, I, I, I do think that if you don't know the story, it's harder to love the, the, this thing we call America. Uh, the, the thing that makes us feel the way we do about our country is knowing what it stands for, where it came from, who you know birthed it, what it took, uh, what it's done uh, in the world. Not always perfect, but but on the whole, an incredible beacon, an incredible positive force in the world. Uh, and, and, and I mean, but if you, but I got to be fair. I mean, if if no one if no one told you that, if you didn't get the education that I got or you got in school where you learned that, they made sure that you knew that before you left. You know, the 12th grade. You, you had to know it. You could do whatever you wanted with it after you graduated, but at least you knew the story. You knew the history. I, I don't think that's necessarily true anymore. If we're, if we're coming up with new words for slavery, God only knows what else we're teaching or not teaching about history. 210-599-5555. Hector is on KTSA. Hector, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yes, uh, about what you were saying about America. I mean, I, I'm an American, born in America. I've, I come from a father who served during World War II. He went down to Mexico, and he married my mom. And uh, that's where I come. That's where our family started. Okay. So the thing about it is that uh, since I, I had all my cousins down there on summertime, they sent us down there so we could get to know our cousins on summertime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that, they, that I always had, I've never had wealth. But one thing I had was the, the pride of being an American. Mm-hmm. Everybody would, they would introduce me to their friends and he's an American. Wow. They'd be, mm-hmm. that's all I had. Now I have nothing because basically what they say now, when I've talked to them, I still keep in contact with anybody can live in America. You don't have to mm-hmm. be born there. Mm-hmm. And they're right. Isn't they're right about that. Now mm-hmm. the thing about the economy is that they come here the illegals come here, and they make this money, but they don't spend it here. They mm-hmm. send it back to their country. So mm-hmm. it doesn't generate any economy for us. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a point. In, a point in well, case. hold on, Hector, but let me just point, point something out. I, I agree with you, but let's be, let's be honest about this. That's our fault. We are the ones who decided that being an American citizen didn't count for anything. We didn't require it. 
you could come here and take advantage of the good things, but yes, not exactly. participate or join. That was our decision. Exactly. I don't blame people for taking yes, advantage that of that. Not, that I blame that us was, for not requiring not, it. That was not my decision, though. That was not my decision. You say we, but that was not well. My what decision. I mean is, we I as a country devalue. We devalued citizenship. We devalued exactly. I'll give you an example. Case in point, uh, I've got two friends. They just had their houses leveled. Everybody that came to work, and there was like 50 guys that worked there, not Americans, all illegals from the other side, from, from all countries. One of the guys I talked to was from Cuba. He spoke both languages. He said he had been here one week. Mm-hmm. He was driving a car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One week, yeah. and he was driving a car. Yeah. Now, no, what, what does that tell me? What does that tell us? That that you that know. those are choices Americans made, and not you, not me, but America decided to to compromise itself that way to devalue citizenship. Every other country in the world values it. It's essential to participate in their exactly. economy. You're going to be a citizen. So we, we've got to we've got to learn from this, and I hope people are are waking up. I think they're starting oh, yeah. to. But Hector, thank you, thank you for the call. Two ten five nine nine. Fifty-five, fifty-five. I, for years, it frustrated me because it seemed like the only thing we were doing was talking about making it easier to do all the stuff that Hector just described, and and, and that's the wrong solution. I don't want to see people dying in the back of trucks and and dying in the desert and all that. I don't, or drowning in the river. I don't want to see that. But the the, the solution to that is to start standing for something not constantly standing down from everything. Oh, well, I guess that's all right. Well, I guess you can I guess you can vote. I guess you can drive. I guess you can have in-state tuition. I guess you can. No. No. It's not to keep people out. It's to say when you come in, we need you to make a decision. You want to be part of this? Great. You just want to benefit from it or hit the high points or enjoy the the fringe uh, perks no 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 country can survive like that not even ours Juan is on 550 and 1071 KTSA1 good afternoon hey good afternoon how you doing yeah good. i just how wanted to add on on that topic about proud of being american i am but in a sense i'm ashamed you know i'm ashamed right now because just look at everything right now you know everything the borders out of control you know the the the, the images of uh, Afghanistan when the the people were falling off the plane in midair, killings mm-hmm. of Americans. There's mm-hmm. like chaos, the school teachings, uh, inflation, hatred, shooting. Uh, in a sense, we're losing our superpower because now we're depending on Germany to get baby formula. Really, you know, uh, people manipulating the system, higher taxes, school property, utilities. I mean. I'm ashamed. Mm. I guess the way I would look at it, one, I mean, you're right about all that stuff. I, I guess I would say if you loved a person, but they're, they were a, a, a mess, they were screwing up and fouling up and everything about them was a mess, you would love them through all that. You would say, I know that there's there's someone in there I love and I'm going to get you through or help you through this 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 time you're having. And that's how I want people to feel about our country. It's going through a terrible time. It's made bad choices. It's elected bad leaders. But there's still something in there to love, and we can't give up on it. I got you. I got you. So I'm just going to pray and, you know, and I guess take it one day at a time. But just things don't look good right now. It's just just shaky, you know. Absolutely. Well said. Thank you, Juan. Appreciate it. Um, 210-599-5555. Yeah, I mean, we... I'm sure you've known someone, maybe you had a sibling, maybe you had a best friend, and you love them. But at at a certain point, and maybe it's right now, they're a mess. They're in crisis. They may know it, they may not know it. They may be in denial about it. I think our country's in denial about some of its problems. But you, you know, you, you, you don't give up, or usually you don't, right? Um, and you persist and you try to hang on and you see if you can coax them, coach them, encourage them, advise them, occasionally tough love them, you know, smack them upside the head. I mean, we need all that. We need all of that. And we got to use what's left to try to get back what's been lost. 
San Antonio's news, traffic, and weather station. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. KTSA News Time 453. Friday into into, um, Independence Day weekend. Getting ready for the dish after 6. It's a Gallup survey. Uh, Are you proud to be American? 38% who said yes. The lowest since they started asking the question over 20 years ago. Um, It's down 30 points in just the last... 10 years. And I wonder if part of it is, and and by the way, just to put a little more shape on it, um, only 26% of Democrats are proud. So it doesn't necessarily reflect, well, I don't like the party in charge. They are the party in charge. I'm wondering if part of it is that if you look at our history, For most of our history, when we had a war, when we had, uh, you know, a crisis, when we had a a depression, a bank crisis, what have you, um, successful leaders, the people that rose to the top, did so by mobilizing all Americans, getting everyone united against the, the, the common enemy, right? It's... It's Hitler, it's Imperial Japan, it's this, it's that. But today, leaders dice and slice, and they build 51% bases. They just say, well, I I don't need everybody. I just need to get enough to stay in office or win the election. And I'll pit people against people. I don't care. I'm doing that. I know I'm doing it. Um, That's, to me, the, the beginning of the unraveling. That doesn't mean we have to fall for it, and we shouldn't fall for it, but you're not being led by people that are saying to you, hey, we should all care about this, this matters to all of us, or we all need to defeat this common enemy, this external threat, whatever it is. Um, That's not how politics are played right now. And the smart people in politics are the people that know how to slice and dice and, you know, create divisions and play it up and tell people in one race to resent or suspect people in another race and and it's it's going on in a situation like that you could start to understand these numbers 210-599-5555 john is on ktsa hi john oh don john is it is it don i'm sorry uh, no, uh, no, I'm calling you, Jeff. Uh, no, uh, this is John. I was going to say, uh, no, um, I think that the the, uh, the American people, they're not on the, on the same page as the president. The president page has a different agenda than the American people. Even though he was voted into office, they're not on the same page like he's for green energy. He's at war with mm-hmm. the gasoline. And, um, and this war... It's against gasoline, but the American people don't want a war with gasoline. And then it's driving up prices, everything. And I just think that he's not on the same page with the people as a result, that people are depressed, everything, because everything's going up. And he can't yeah. – um, uh, uh, it's just a big uh, a big fiasco. Well, his I whole mean, position on everything is that we, the people, have it wrong. Everything we're doing is wrong. Our response to everything, our – our opinion of everything, how we want to, how we want to live, it's all got to be changed. He, it's like he wants to run a different country. He, he's not interested in right. in, in presiding over the one that that he has. He, he's a, uh, apologizing for America, like yes. we did. And no. the other administration didn't apologize for America. It's a very active administration, as a matter of fact. But this one's very, um, he's very passive. I'm surprised if it's not uh, comatose and. He might like the week the guy at Weekend at Bernie's. You know, he was dead, and they brought him <laughs> up to be alive. It does look like Weekend at Bernie's. With Biden. It's I Weekend at Biden's. Biden. All right, John, good call. Thank you. We're going to get to more of these coming up. Grab a line, 210-599-5555, Weekend at Biden's. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about all of this um, and more. And there's a guy who says, there's a guy who says Donald Trump 
is the greatest man alive, and the January 6th hearings are proof of that. Who said that? Not Donald Trump, although he probably would agree. But I'll tell you who said it and why he says it, and I want to see what you think. We'll get your votes in on the JR poll, too. All that coming up after the news on KTSA. Now, here's Jack Riccardi. All right, Dennis, thank you. So we've been talking about this uh, Gallup survey of Americans uh, heading into Independence Day weekend, Independence Day on Monday. And Gallup has been asking every year since 2000, um, are you proud to be American? When they started asking, it was overwhelmingly yes. It was in the 70s and 80s. Uh, right now it's 38%. So uh, what's... What's going on with that, and how do you answer that question? 210-599-5555, talking about that. Um, I don't know about you, but the, the J6, here. I, I, I follow them because I have this job, but if I were you, I wouldn't pay any attention to them at all. And I bring, I bring in some updates, and we talk a little about them, because part, part of the purpose of this show is to kind of catch you up on things that happened while you were at work, and send you home with a few odds and ends of info. But um, for me, I think for a lot of us, we look at this as a it's, a, it's a show trial. It's a kangaroo court. It's, it's like watching one of those police, uh, one of those, um, you know, law and order shows, only there's, there's no cross-examination. <laughs> there's just, there's only one side in the courtroom. There's, there's only lawyers at one table. There's only one argument being put before the jury. There's no, there's no uh, counterbalancing side. And it was done by design. They weren't interested in testing people like Cassidy Hutchison. They were just interested in affirming them. I mean, after Cassidy Hutchison gave her testimony, including completely unsupported allegations, Liz Cheney came up and gave her a big hug. And so... I, I think, for me, this is aimed at some other audience. I'm not the intended audience. But Dan Galertner wrote about this at American Greatness. You've heard him on our show before, really smart guy. And he said, he told a story of having dinner the other night with a friend of his who's kind of a leftist, but voted for Trump. And... um they were talking about that. This guy voted for Trump is kind of embarrassed. Uh, he doesn't want to admit to his other, you know, left of center friends that he voted for Trump. And now he believes that um, that was a mistake because of what's come out on January 6th. The January 6th hearings have convinced this guy that his vote for Trump was a mistake and he would never support him again and he will never admit that he supported him in the first place. And Galerner says, here's my question to the January 6th committee. If Trump made a call for violence on January 6th, how did I miss it? How did I miss it? He writes, I was glued to the TV all day. I watched Trump's speech at the rally. I hung on every word. I recognized it as a pivotal moment in American history. We were about to certify an unelected, illegitimate president. It was an impending catastrophe that only the boldest possible action could have prevented. If Trump had called out to the nation, if he had said, we must stop this, come to Washington with your guns, millions of Americans would have done it. The response would have been massive and overwhelming. You can bet your boots that Ashley Babbitt wouldn't have been the only person shot and killed that day. Trump easily could have started a civil war. He only had to make the call. But Trump never made that call, and Washington knows damn well he didn't. So Galertner concludes, Trump has shown greater restraint than anybody on the scene. In other words, if you look at the current crop of political leaders, if you look at the leftists, if they were on the verge of losing power, but had the means of retaining it through violence, do you doubt that they would do that? Have you noticed how they're responding to the Dobbs decision? Have you noticed the meltdown over the EPA decision, the guns decision, 
Have you noticed that there seems to be literally no bottom? There's no, there's no depth to calling for violence against Supreme Court justices or tacitly accepting it, calling for the abolishing of the Supreme Court. So if these people had that moment where they were losing power, but they could invoke the mob, do you have any doubt that they would? I, I think it's pretty clear that they would. They've, they've, they've given you a test run. They've given you a tryout with their reaction to the Supreme Court's l- latest term. And so Galertner's argument, and I think he's making it a little bit tongue-in-cheek, is Trump's the greatest uh, American alive because he's shown the restraint to not do that. He wrote, There are very few men, even in small and trivial nations, who could launch a civil war just by choice. That kind of following, so wide, so deeply committed, is truly rare. The fact that Trump did not call for violence on January 6th is singular, incredible. He writes, what leftist on the verge of losing his power in Washington and yet possessed of the means of retaining it through coercive force would have walked away? So one way to look at the January 6th hearings is, oh, he he did terrible things, he said terrible things, he was mad. But the other way of looking at it is he obviously has the most committed following not only of anybody in politics, but I would argue of anybody in the public realm. I don't, I don't think there's anybody in this country right now, even outside of politics, with the kind of following that Donald Trump still has. And I'm not saying we should hang a medal around his neck, but Dan Glertner is saying, do you think someone else with the same opportunity to demagogue would walk away. Because he did. On January 20th, Joe Biden took the oath of office, and Donald Trump was somewhere else. We had, a, we had an orderly, peaceful transition of power. And most presidents, well, obviously most presidents, by the time they're leaving office, they're at their lowest point. You know, they're, they're, their supporters have moved on. This president left office with his supporters still intact. And I, I think it is an interesting way to look at it. By the way, do you, do you notice the pattern? Everything that the Supreme Court did in the last two weeks, every decision that, that's been in the news, abortion, EPA, guns, the, the common thread is that in every case, the Supreme Court said, hey, Congress, do your job. Write a law. Make your laws clear. You're the ones with the power to write a regulation or enforce a regulation. You have to do that. Courts don't do that. We can't fix that for you. That's a very clear challenge, but it's also an opportunity, right? That's like saying to people in Congress, hey, you've got the power. Notice that the response of people in Congress is fury. They're being told, you've got the power, and they're mad. They don't want the power. You know why? I mean, they want power. They don't want responsibility. They don't want to be the ones whose name is on a policy that will hurt people or make people miserable or crash the economy. They don't want their name. They don't want to cast a a yes vote. They don't want that to be on the record. They don't want some future opponent to be able to say, look at how she voted, look at how he voted. So what they're mad at with the Supreme Court, in large part, is that the Supreme Court is calling them out. They've been hiding. They haven't been doing their job. They complain about stuff that they have authority to fix, and they don't do it. They rely on court orders. They like it. It's a shortcut. There's no work. Best of all, they don't stick their neck out. When you're running for re-election, you just want to tell your, your constituents a bunch of stuff about you brought home this and you built them that and you got money for this and you got money for that. You don't want to, you don't want to have to defend how you voted and why you voted and what the effects of how you voted were on them. You don't want to talk about that. Much neater and tidier if the courts do that. And that's what's been happening.
And right now, and this is cyclical, and it will I'm sure it will change in time, but right now, this Supreme Court in this last term that wrapped up this week, the pattern, the, the message was the legislative branch of government needs to start carrying its weight. If you want EPA to be able to do this or do that, you've got to pass laws. Abortion, states are going to have to make their laws, and, and that means that the Members of the state legislature will be on the record. They can't just say I'm pro-life or I'm pro-choice, but they're going to have to vote on specifics. They hate that. You wonder why they hate it. I mean, why they run for office. Apparently it wasn't to do the heavy lifting. Guns, do your job. That's what the Supreme Court said. And, it's, and, and if you really wanted to be a legislator, this is an incredibly powerful, positive message. We've got the power. Very telling that these people's reaction is not to say, okay, we'll get right on that, but to say, damn the Supreme Court, F the Supreme Court. I mean, think about that. KTSA News Time 523. On a Friday, that means we'll be talking restaurants coming up next hour on The Dish. It's the last hour of the last show of the week. We talk about restaurants. You can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience. Coming up, Chris writes to Jack at KTSA.com, I am proud to be and will always be proud to be an American. It is not a switch I can turn on and off. I am deeply disappointed that our current leadership is selling our country down the toilet. They will never suffer because of the decisions that they make. Both Democrats and Republicans are affected by ridiculous pandering. The only thing we can do is pray every day that our freedom will survive, writes Chris. We're talking about the... uh, Gallup survey, which they do every year heading into Independence Day, and it, it, it showed the lowest percentage of people they've ever, they've ever found who were, who were uh, the lowest percentage who, were said, who said they were proud to be American. Um, how about your last CPS bill? Everybody's now got their current CPS bill, right? And I was comparing the one I got this week was about 260 a month ago it was 150 and we were already having hot weather a month ago it was a big jump right how big does your how big an increase did you see what did you go from may to june 210 599 55 55 people are people are talking about bills that even i have a hard time understanding here's somebody in the express news uh 972 square feet Three hundred and seventy dollars. Six hundred square feet, one hundred and ninety dollars. I'm not. I'm not making excuses, but I. I, I also when when people talk about their bill, I do wonder like what what is the thermostat set at? Because I'm kind of weird, and I guess or an outlier in this. I don't. I don't turn it down that low. Like my thermostat is like seventy seven, seventy eight night at 78 is that crazy i've had people tell me you're you must be broiling i'm really not you know i don't know maybe (laughs) maybe i'm cold-blooded or something i don't know uh but when when, if you're running it at like 70 then yeah it's going to go up what did you see what kind of increase did you see 210-599-5555 are you seeing the highest cps bill you've ever had and well, if, you, if you're willing to share it, what was the increase? By the way, um, higher energy prices, uh, not a problem, not a crisis. According to one of the president's top economics advisors, a man named Brian Deese was on CNN. He explained that the pain of the price at the pump is the price we have to pay for, quote, the future of the liberal world order. The CNN anchor was asking this guy, how do you respond to people that uh, are paying five bucks a gallon and can't do that and are potentially looking at that for years to come, citing the fact that the president referred to the war. And so he asks this guy, Deese, about that. And he said that um, higher energy prices are the price we pay for preserving the liberal world order. And, of course, 
it would be nice if we got to decide that, right? Like, could I... <laughs> could we put that up to a vote? You want to pay these prices? Or, you know. They've, they've pretty much destroyed any credibility they have of explaining it because they've given so many different explanations. I can't even keep up, right? It was... It was COVID, it was Putin, it was uh, big oil greed, it was gas stations gouging, and now it's the liberal world order. And I love the fact that you would use a term like that and not elaborate or explain what, what do you mean by that? What is the world order? Have you noticed, too, that sometimes now they, when they're asked about, like, inflation, they go, well, it's a, it's a problem all around the world, which it really isn't. But I'm old enough to remember when we expected an American president to deliver better results than the rest of the world. We expected outcomes that were better. We expected a stronger economy. We expected a more robust response to circumstances. In other words, it wasn't good enough. If things, if things were not we're not in great shape, it wasn't good enough to say, well, hey, look at all these other countries. That's a slippage. That's a, that's a lowering of our, uh, of our standards, or at least they're attempting to lower them. We don't have to go along with that, by the way. You know, they can, they can try to condition us to expect less. I think that's already happening. You know, they're already starting to talk about gas prices as if, well, they're really not going down. We're hoping to cap them. We're hoping to stabilize them. But you don't hear anybody saying, we've got a plan to get it down to 180. Nobody's saying that. 210-599-5555. This is interesting. Um, 70 journalists who cover the White House for various organizations have signed a letter dinging the Biden White House for limiting journalists' access to White House events and venues. You might be hearing this for the first time. You might be surprised. I thought the journalists loved Biden. I thought they were relieved that he won the election. I thought they they found that serving under Trump was a nightmare. He hated the the media. He called them fake news. This is the guy they love, Joe Biden. But in the letter... They complain that the administration is limiting the number of reporters at events with the president, uh, selecting who gets questioned, not letting all of the accredited uh, reporters who are there into the events or into the room or what have you. The letter says, in part, these restrictions underscore the belief by many reporters that the administration seeks to limit access to the president or anyone who might ask a question the president, uh, the administration doesn't want to answer. So they're falling out of love with their guy. I thought he was the answer. I thought he was the everything got better, the, everything healed, unity. They're not happy. Didn't take long either, did it? 537 on 550 and 1071 KTSA, San Antonio's news talk radio station. Jack Riccardi here in the late afternoon. We're here Monday through Friday. We talk about what's going on in the news, what's going on in our lives. And if you can't join us live, if this is not a good time ordinarily for you to be listening to the radio, well, full, absolute, on-demand, full shows available. Go to the Jack Riccardi page at KTSA.com. Take us anywhere. Take us wherever you go. So I saw a story that um, this was... A few days ago, the uh, the army is lowering its standards for recruits. They're dropping the requirement that you have a high school diploma or a GED. Um, you still have to get a minimum score on the uh, armed services vocational aptitude test, but you don't have to have a diploma or a GED. They're tweaking benefits and other recruiting perks because they're not hitting their numbers. They're not getting enough new recruits. They're also lowering the uh, regulations about tattoos. 
Uh, a spokesperson for the Army said social norms, people are getting more tattoos. It doesn't stop readiness if someone has a tattoo on the back of their neck, but they used to have more strict rules about that. What do you think about that? Why are they having trouble hitting their numbers? Why are they having to lower their standards? Do you think that's just, I mean, one argument might be, well, Jack, look, they're just, society's changing. And they're just, they're moving with that. They're responding to that. Times change. Is that what you think? Or are they not hitting their numbers because people are starting to think differently about the institution of the military. Now, I, I, I want to be clear. When you join the military, typically you are a young person. Young people don't generally do a lot of deep thinking. We, we've, we've all heard the stories of people that joined very spontaneously or spur of the moment or... My friend signed up, so I signed up. My dad, when he joined the Navy, he and his buddies just ran down the street from high school on the first day they could and signed up, and they, they went with whatever branch would take them. He wound up in the Navy in the most uh, unthought-out way you possibly can. But um, I wonder if maybe people see it as woke and... They're not as impressed by it as they were. I mean, I'm just throwing out ideas. If you're changing the culture of the military, and you're doing it very overtly, are you changing its attractiveness, its appeal to people? There's all different kinds of reasons people join. But maybe one of them, for some people, is that culture. And the idea that, yeah, you, you have to be you have to be a cut above. You might not measure up. But these new standards say, essentially, we'll take just about anybody. 210-599-5555. What do you think is going on? Why is the military not hitting its recruiting numbers? And as a result, tattoos, no diploma, no high school graduation. It's now okay, says the Army this week. Terry is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Terry, good afternoon. Hey, Terry, are you there? I'm here, buddy. That thing about the... Okay, we got a bad... Terry, we got a bad sell. Try us back. That was... We couldn't couldn't, uh, keep you on the air. Uh, 210-599-5555. So... This is, according to the experts, this is the worst drought in recruiting since we went back to an all-volunteer military after Vietnam. Their numbers are the worst in 50 years, almost 50 years. And um, I'm just wondering what you think that is, and maybe it's more than one thing. But certainly the headlines about our modern military are about, you know, pronoun workshops, and wokeness, and um, defining climate change as the greatest threat. And then you look at that number we talked about earlier, that a, a decreasing number of Americans are proud of their country. And again, I'm not naive enough to think that everybody who joins the military is joining out of patriotism. I mean, there's people who join to get their education paid for. There's people who join because they want to get out of a bad neighborhood. There's people that join because they're, they're trying to stay one step ahead of, of maybe a bad, you know, a bad situation at home. There's all kinds of reasons. But what is depressing recruiting? What is depressing enlistment? Something is, or some things are. 210 Every branch of the military is off its target numbers, according to NBC News. And according to one senior defense official talking to NBC News, um, it looks like it's going to get worse. They don't expect these numbers to turn around anytime soon, and so they're lowering and they're they're getting the word out, hey, things that would have kept you out or things that you would have thought you couldn't have, we're going to be okay with those things. I've also read previously, not this week, that they're lowering the physical um, 
fitness standards. And so at some point you've got to ask yourself, are you hitting the numbers, but are the numbers not meaningful? Is this not a, a fit fighting force if you lower the numbers just to hit the numbers? I mean, if you lower, I'm sorry, if you lower the standards just to hit the numbers, what does that really mean? 210-599-5555. Jonathan is on KTSA. Hi, Jonathan. Hey, Jack. It's good to talk to you again. Um, yeah. What do you expect? I mean, the military has pretty much done its best to drive off literally anyone who would be interested in joining it. And at the same time, it's it's the go woke, get broke. Uh, they're trying to alter these standards, which some of them I can understand. I mean, most companies, even private sector, they allow tattoos, they allow colored hair. You know, it, it doesn't. At, at the end of the day, does it really matter if our soldiers, you know, have, they, a lot of them get tattoos in the military anyway? So I'm not too whatever about that one. But it is. It's trying to appeal to the lowest common denominator. I can sort of understand the school as long as they still need to pass the aptitude. But, you know, it's, it's, we, don't, we don't expect greatness anymore. We don't have that expectation. We don't put that on the younger generations because as soon as we do, they push back. You know, they, they point out everything that's wrong, which most of them have never actually faced any of it or had to fight for much of anything. And yet they seem entitled to be given whatever they want whenever they want it. And so if we're trying to do something even to the point of, you know, staff our military, it's it's going to get to the point where it's like they don't want to join unless we make them, a, you know, a, an officer right out the bat. I wonder so um, I wonder what the effect of things like the Afghanistan withdrawal or being in Afghanistan for so long is doing. You know, right after 9-11, we know the recruitment went up because right. there was an immediate sense of urgency but then the lesson we taught that generation was was really, I think, to disrespect their enlistment, to disrespect their response by doing multiple Yeah, we immediately made them the bad guy. Well, yeah. we made them the bad guy, but we also we, we sent people back over and over and over, and we, and we weren't going anywhere. It became just a, a sit-there-and-be-a-target kind of deployment, and I, I, that has to have some effect on this. I mean, when a young person's going to enlist, they're probably talking to somebody they know who, who is serving or who has served or they hear stories, I would think yeah, all of that works that. against it too. Absolutely. No, I, I think, I think we've, you know, not to, not to be too light about it, but shot ourselves in the foot, you know, like yeah. I said, even, yeah. even those people who would come from military families, now they see their older brother, their father deployed right. repeatedly and then abandoned and then left right. to just kind of figure it out. You know, a, a wonderful friend of mine came back after probably, what, close to 20 years in the military, and he, you know, had the equivalency at least of an LVN from being a combat medic, but he doesn't, none of that transfers. None of that, none of his actual real-world experience, mm. the world. It's, you know, so the military abandoned him there, and he comes back after all these years of service, giving up time with his children, his wife, moved his family you know, multiple places over the world, only to be told, oh, hey, you know, it, it didn't really matter. You know, it didn't really matter. And now the military does your caliber. You know, that, that who you were when you enlisted, we don't even need you to be that good anymore. We don't yeah. even yeah. have that expectation of greatness anymore. We don't have that yeah. expectation of, you know, sometimes a kid just doesn't, doesn't do well in high school, but he'd be an excellent soldier. You know, he, he or she would be, you know, respond well to the structure, could be, you know, find that sense of purpose. But, you know, we're, we don't even have that, you know, that, that foundational quality of, hey, you know what, let's try and give you something to be better. Now it's just please, please come be a soldier because nobody else wants to. Yeah, well said. Very good points, Jonathan. I'm glad you called. Thank you. Uh, we'll get to more of these coming up. 210-599-5555. The military is in its worst recruiting drought in 49 years. And this week the Army announced lower uh, requirements to try to hit its recruit quotas. Um, we'll talk about that. We'll update KTSA Time Saver Traffic. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. KTSA News Time is 5.52. AccuWeather says partly cloudy, 76 tonight. And then tomorrow through Independence Day, Monday, partly sunny, 99 for a high each day. It's 98 
at San Antonio Severe Weather Station 550 and 107.1 KTSA. If you um, if you're the modern American military and you are missing your recruitment numbers by a lot, what's the reason for that? Is it that you need to lower your standards, or is it that people think you already have? Is it that people already think that it's not what it used to be? And if that was the case, if you if you started to think that maybe people are losing their sense of being impressed or feeling that it's a cut above, then these moves would be the worst thing you could do. What do you think? What's going on here? 210-599-5555. Terry is on KTSA. Hi, Terry. Hey, Jack. Uh, first of all, this education, uh, uh, the squabble or whatever you want to call it, that's been in. That was 40 years ago when I enlisted. The first thing you do when you go to basic training, you, you get put into a GED class and you get your GED. You go to class at night and get your GED. So without a diploma, that's not the big deal. Any, you know, that, that's well, they're not, they're not requiring that anymore, though. That's the change. They're not going to make you get well, it. Well, shame on them. Shame on them. You know what? Every young man and woman in the in the world needs to have uh, needs to have a GED or GED equivalent. The other thing is, I'm retired. I put in 23 years. You know what's sad is that every first of every month, I pay medical and dental insurance. When I signed my contract, and back in the 80s, it was a perk or a, a benefit that I was going to get. I had an 06 tell me one day at Bamsey there because they'd send you off base and then you have a cost share and so forth. He said, well, you got to remember that $50 a month that you're paying for medical is not as much as the people on the outside. That was not the point. The point was I was promised that benefit right. if I gave him 20 years. Right. And $50 of my pay as an E7 versus an 06, that's a lot of money. I've been retired 17 years. Do the math. That's money that belongs to my family. I pay $100 right. a month for dental, and I pay $55 a month for uh, TRICARE. But mm-hmm. you want to see if the military has changed? Go on Fort Sam. Go on Lackland. Go on uh, any of the bases and see what's uh, stuck in everybody's ear. There's an iPhone stuck in or uh, there's earpods in their ears. There's an iPhone in their hand. Back in the 80s, we wouldn't even thought of having any of that during a training session. And I say training session because they're still trainees. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the socialism, the 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 the, the social media, what we've letting our kids get to on the outside is exactly what's wrong with the military today. We don't have the standards we used to have. Okay. And until you have those standards, it's going to cost lives, and nobody wants that. But you know, I still remember what did I learn in basic training? If I was still soldiering today. I would still be using it today. But, so, Terry, uh, if you lower if you lower the standards, why aren't you getting more people joining? But again, it's it's, it's the world. You know what? At the end of the day, maybe people don't want to be a part of the program because they really see what the outcome is. Look okay. at our soldiers. Look at our military coming home from conflicts. So they're looking at what will happen to them, and they're saying this isn't going to be a great move for me. Well, I, you know what? I would be. Yeah. If okay. I knew that, you know, if I knew, walk the halls of Bansy, and you right. can see what, how well we're taking care of our soldiers yeah. and All our right. airmen and our military. You know, a, a Marine okay, Corps Terry, general I... made the comment one time. He said, mm-hmm. you know what? Nobody ever lost a leg or a limb for this country, but they all gave a leg or a limb for this country. Mm-hmm. Giving versus losing. They gave it. Unfortunately, their countries forgot them. Yeah, okay. Terry, thank you. I appreciate your call. You said a lot. Very powerful. Uh, Gloria is on KTSA. Hi, Gloria. Hey, hi. Uh, Reduction probably would would be for some people, why would you want to join a community that's being cultivated by leadership of people who think of themselves 
first versus their soldier to the left, to the right, in front and behind them, mm. let alone their country. This is too much individualism. And when you're mm. out fighting a war, there is no individualism. It's the group that gets the battles won. Yeah. Okay. Good point. Thank you. Uh, Gary is on KTSA. We're talking about the military missing its recruitment uh, targets and lowering its standards as a result. Gary, what do you think? Well, first off, I think pay has a lot to do with it. I work in the oil field, and we've got boys that are high school dropouts making $2,000 a week, not $2,000 a month. Yeah. Now, my son is in the Army right now. He went in when he got out of high school last year. And he's a mechanic on the newest drone that they've got. Makes $2,000 a month, but he loves what he's doing. And I support mm. him 100%. I told him he needs to stay in the rest of his life. Mm. But as far as standards go, I've got a first cousin. Been in for 31 years. He's a full bird, full bird colonel. He's on the short list to be a, a, a brigadier general. He was out of high school, screwed up. Went in front of the judge. The judge told him, you can either go to jail or join the military. They stuck him in the military. And look where he's gone. Mm-hmm. So a lot of So is the answer, is it. the answer, it's, it's hard to get is the wrong answer in. then lowering the standards? I think in uh, what we need to do on, as far as the standards go, a lot of these criminals that we've got that are doing low, low stuff, you know, not violent crime, need to stick them in the military. Oh, okay. Let him so, like, the, you, you'd you like to see more, you'd like to see, yeah, you'd like to see that be more, a, a wider avenue for more people. All right, I got to hold you, Gary. Thank you.